across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. You guys have heard me talk a lot about this program that I'm creating and I basically met with eight of the world's top listing agents and recorded their candid no holds barred interviews with sellers and what they say to a seller, what they don't say to a seller, how they get a listing. We've broken it down into six chapters. It's about 12 hours of video and uh, we're going to be selling it as a course. But up until then, up until the point that it's ready, offering 30 minutes of it that you could watch for free and kind of beta test for me. Tell me what you like about it, what you don't like about it. So if you want to beta test this and you want to check out some of it for free, the section I'm giving away free is on touching and rapport building. I know that sounds odd, but each of the agents I talked to had ideas of where to touch, like don't touch a guy on his hands. Uh, unless it's a handshake and stuff like that and there's also a bunch of stuff on rapport building you know like what to say and how to find commonality and just all kinds of neat stuff so if you want to watch that you get it for free go to hybendigital.com backslash rebus hybendigital.com backslash r-e-b-u-s and you'll get a free copy of that and let me know what you think of it thanks Okay, Rockstar Nation, we are coming to you live here from Los Angeles, California. Well, sort of. Richard Schulman is, and Richard is banging it up out there. He's killing it. 99.7 million. Damn, he missed the goal of 100 million. Got to go back to work, I guess. But So, Richard, uh, welcome to Pat Hyman Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Yeah, thank you for having me, Pat. I'm really excited to be here. So why don't you tell our rock star audience about you, Richard, so they can get to know you better? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm a native of Los Angeles, which is a little bit of a rarity. Uh, I've been in real estate since I graduated college, so about 12 years now. I started off with a different national brokerage, and I moved to Keller Williams about nine years ago. Uh, about five or six years ago with Keller Williams, I really embraced all the structure and training that they have. So I got really big into building my team and building a purposeful business. You know, it's a big transition instead of just being a real estate agent to being a business owner that happens to sell real estate. Uh, since I've done that, I've, I've really seen my production explode and also quality of life as an agent uh, really improve, which uh, my wife and kids are happy about. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so give me some numbers here. So like how many houses did you sell last year? So last year, uh, my team and I sold 165 homes and the uh, sales volume, like you said, was just shy of our goal. And uh, I, I don't round up because it, it, it really annoyed me that we missed our goal, especially <laughs> by so little. Right. Uh, I mean, for you, that's like a third of a house, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a deposit check on some It's deals. a rental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, we have done rentals that size. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's frustrating to miss your goal and, you know, I'm goal focused and goal oriented. So we have a new goal this year and, and uh, I would love to miss our goal by 300,000 this year, but I would really love to beat our goal too. What's your goal this year? Uh, this year, our goal is 125 million in sales. Although 
uh, we've had a really good first quarter. I would really love to raise that goal to 150. So I'm talking to the team about that. I want to make sure I can get buy-in. That's uh, that's 12 million a month in sales. That's a big number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the GCI on that? Uh, last year the GCI was about two and a quarter million, 2.25 million uh, for the whole team combined. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, it was fantastic. It, it means a lot of people on the team did well, and a lot of people on the team, which you know, it's important to me. Like I mentioned earlier, it's important that that. Not just me, that multiple people on the team can have a good living out of it. Uh, otherwise, they're not going to be here in the next year. Yeah, absolutely. So so what's your profit margin on that? Um, the profit margins uh, are pretty good. They're probably in the 40 to 50% range. We don't track it. Uh, we don't track the straight margin for a lot of reasons that your, your listeners are going to be super interested in. But um, we're above model. If Keller Williams recommends a 40% margin, so we're, we're above that. Yeah, I mean, 40% on a big team is hard to do, you know, to be honest with you, you know, uh, and if you could do that, that at 2.25, that brings in a mill to you personally. So that's, that's a winning hand right there, right? Make a mill. That's, uh, that's a millionaire real estate agent's uh, deal, make a mill. So it sounds like you've done that. Yeah, well, I just read the book and followed the directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Millionaire real estate agent, I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, just follow the models, see what they do. Yeah, well, congratulations, because you Thank are you. a millionaire real estate agent now. So, all right, so talk to me about uh, where your business comes from. 165 deals, where are you getting it from? So I have a little bit of an unusual business model, and I'll, I'll go into that. I'm not a geographic farmer. I never, I never really was interested in that when I started out. Uh, I identified when I joined the, a company in 2004 – that the internet would be really big in real estate. And that was right when Zillow was starting up. Realtor.com was pretty new. Um, we were still logging in, like dialing up, you know, dial up into a, a third-party server to look at properties. Um, so I, we just didn't look at a geographic farm. So we wanted to a, a farm the internet, basically. So we started buying ad space on websites. We started building profiles. We started forming agreements with companies that generate business online. So. Um, a lot of our business, our new business comes to us from the internet. People seeing our Yelp profile or people seeing ads we bought on Zillow or Trulia um, or people just seeing that we've done a lot of deals and there's sites that aggregate who those agents are. So our new inbound business comes from that. And we once they get into our database, we do a really good systematic job of mining our database for repeat and referral clients. So we have a lot of re repeat clients. You know, The nice thing about doing it for 12 years is you start having clients that you did a deal with eight years ago come back to you. You know, As a new agent, you can't do that. But if you do it long enough, you get these great deals that come back to you. And then they, you know, if you take care of your clients and you keep in touch with them, you're getting referrals. So those are our big sources right there. So do you know how many like reviews you have on, say, Zillow? Uh, about 130, 140 on Zillow, which is top three for the LA area. Is that, your big, is that the most important one, do you think? Zillow generates the most number of leads for us, but realistically, Yelp generates. Uh, I mean, Yelp generates far fewer leads, but the leads from Yelp are generally very high quality. So, so I, you know, 
well, I what, do you, want to be yelled probably. Really? So do you, is there, do you think a hundred is a magic number? Like, so what a lot of agents I'm talking to are finding is, you know, as soon as they get all their reviews on one site, then another one pops up and they're like, shit, now I got to go to Yelp or now I got to fill up Google, you know, Google. Now I got to fill up Trulia. Now, you know what I mean? Angie's list. Oh, it's, um, uh, how do you, how do you know? Do you go a hundred on one? Then you start prospecting for another a hundred on another. How do you do it? Okay. So it's an ongoing process. You know, we're always training our agents on asking for referrals and reviews. We're always going back to our clients. Once a year we go back and we try to we spend a lot of labor on this pat. We try to manually look at who has not reviewed us, who should have reviewed us. You know, hey, this is a friend of ours and we did a killer job for them. They need to give us a review cuz you know, we ask for a review up front. When I meet with you the first time, I say I want to earn a review from you, probably because I met you through a review you saw online. So it's only fair, right? So we only really compete on Zillow, Trulia, and Yelp for reviews. So we're really pushing our clients to review us on those three sites. Today. And today. 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 Tomorrow, though. I mean, because Google, right? I mean, Google has, you know, Google reviews. Yeah, and, we haven't and, seen and the Angie's list there. is starting to get into real estate agents, too. I would encourage agents to understand in their local market what's important. Here in L.A., no one uses Angie's list. Um, I have a, a friend in the, uh, the Midwest, and Angie's list is an enormous source of business for him there. So you have to be, you know, you have to customize to your locality. In LA, 140 reviews puts you at the top of the heap, and in some smaller areas, I've seen that 35 reviews might put you at the top of the heap. So you have to be competitive with your marketplace. If 35 reviews gets you to the top of Zillow, getting 100 reviews is fantastic, but you only really need 50 to be number one. Yeah, that's great. Okay. And, and focus your energy somewhere else. So you take your list, right? And you look in there and you cross-reference it or you have somebody cross-reference it to, let's say, Zillow. And they say, hey, Sam hasn't, you know, given us a review or Martha oh, yeah. hasn't given us a review. So, so what do you do? You pick up the phone, you call them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you, and uh, how's that script go? I mean, it's not, you know, so scripting for me is really simple. I'm just going to ask him, you know, hey, Pat, uh, it's Richard Shulman from Keller Williams calling. How you doing? Great. How's the house? Or, you know, how's what's new with you? That type of thing. Hey, Pat, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I noticed that you didn't send any reviews for me. Reviews are a really important part of my business, and I know that you were really happy with the service. Would you mind doing a few reviews for us? That's great. The, uh, sure. What do you, how do you, which ones do you want me to do, Richard, and how do I get to them? I'm going to make it easy for you, Pat. I'm going to send you an email right now. There's three reviews on there. It only takes five minutes. It would be so important to me. I'm going to forward you an email. All you do is click on the links and fill out the review. You can even copy and paste the review to all three sites. Sound good? Oh, okay. Well, can you even just write it for me? Uh, they won't let me write it for you because the websites track uh, the, uh, the, the number of the computer so they can see if it's coming from my computer or not. Um, but it would just take you a couple minutes and you don't have to write anything elaborate, Pat. Just write, you know, that you were happy with the service and you'd recommend me and, and that would be fantastic and give me five stars and, and, uh, that would be just amazing for me. Okay. You got it, buddy. Yeah. So that's, it's a, you know, I think people with scripting with anything overthinking, that's not a complicated script. I'm just telling you what's important to me. I'm telling you why it's important and how easy it is for you. So now what do you do yeah. when they, after they do it, you send them a thank you note, you, you know, give them an iPad. What do you do? <laughs> if Pat, if you gave me a hundred reviews on Zillow, I'll give you a uh, We usually send out like a Starbucks gift card as a thank you. Uh, it's important to note that we're not bribing anyone. None of the sites really allow you to sort of pay for reviews. 
Um, we just as a thank you for your time, we'll send you like a five dollar, ten dollar gift card, uh, just for you know, just to make sure that for your you feel like you're reimbursed for your time. It's sort of a weird thing because you think that people would love to do it, but uh, it's, you know, I've sold nine hundred homes. I have one hundred and thirty reviews. Um, it doesn't mean I have seven hundred and seventy unhappy clients. It just means that seven hundred and seventy people didn't you know take the time to fill out a review. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I was joking, but actually, uh, I did an interview a couple of days ago where they give out a, an iPad every quarter and, and you get into a lottery, you know, for all the, all the reviews and you can mention that. And then I did one this morning actually where, where they give out Uber gift cards, which is a little different twist than Starbucks because you don't have to carry it around with you and it's in your phone and it's kind of like registered and everybody eventually is going to use an Uber ride or a Lyft ride, you know, so it's kind of cool. I, so might, it's uh, I might take you up on that. I might try those. Although I'll tell you the Starbucks we send electronically and if you have the Starbucks app, it'll okay. just load on. But I like I like the, the iPad is probably tougher because we're not a super high volume to, to make it worth it. But uh, I like the Uber idea. I might try that out. Cool. So let's take us back to the beginning. Okay, twelve years ago, right? So, yeah. to, you know, you're you're getting there. The market is probably still good then, right? It's decent. Two thousand and four. Yeah, it was on fire when I started. So tell me about tell me about your first year. What you learned? How you got business? What'd you do? <laughs> well, uh, my first year uh, would not get me an interview on your show. I'll tell you that. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I didn't really, you know, there wasn't TV shows so much about real estate, so it's not like you could like model what you're doing after anyone. And uh, I joined a company. They put me in. They didn't train me. They didn't uh, give me any real specific direction. And they just said do open houses and open escrows. And uh, it didn't really work out so well. It took me nine months to open my first escrow. But at that point, by then, I had sort of figured most of it out. I was. I tried to learn on my own what to do. I tried to improve what I was doing. I worked really hard. I worked, you know, crazy hours, and eventually it clicked. I actually won Rookie of the Year that year because I did like eight deals the last three months. <laughs> but, so, uh, so listen to this, guys. If you are a rookie or you are in a slump, Richard went nine months and he didn't quit, and then the last three months he sold eight houses. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a great story for for hanging in there and not quitting. Yeah, and the first house was a floor call, which not, doesn't really exist anymore. But it, you know, someone just called the office and said, "Can I see this house?" And they basically bought it on the spot. And they only bought it for me because I was the guy who showed up with a, a contract. You know, they didn't hire me. They didn't specifically trust me to do anything. It was just sort of, uh, you know, I would say luck, except for the fact that I probably sat a hundred hours of floor time to get that one phone call. <laughs> yeah, well, back then that's all you needed was a lockbox key, and you can. Uh, yeah. make some money. So, so, okay. So then all of a sudden the, you know, a couple years in the market crashes, you're like, damn, I thought I was good. And it, it seems like everybody was good. How'd you, how'd you survive that? So I, that's an interesting question. I, I get that a lot from people and the answer for me, and I think it's important because, you know, I, I think in the next few years we may have a similar, but smaller version of the same is for me, when the market turned, that was when I became a, a big agent because then it became it, it became harder to sell a home, so people started spending more effort analyzing who they were hiring as their agent. So instead of just hiring the first person who showed up with a lockbox, they would come to me and say, I want to interview you. How are you going to help me get a great deal on a foreclosure? Or how are you going to help me with the short sales? And I, I got into that world very quickly, and I was able to separate myself. Um, on, on the other side, we started being more aggressive at working with investors. Investors are great clients to work with because 
They don't want to ever see properties with you. They want to just write offers and they like to work business hours. So they're, you know, they provide a lot of benefits. They, you know, we started identifying value opportunities for our investor clients and we started selling a lot of properties quickly. I, hey, Pat, you want to buy this condo? It's 150000 It used to be 325 Wow. Great. Can I sell you six of those? Super. Sign these documents, <laughs> fire the cash, and we're done. There's no inspections or anything else like that. Like, just that's that. And I sold a lot of condos that way for three, four years. And then it helped me, you know, get the experience and knowledge base to build a bigger business, not based on just that. Now, did you buy any for yourself? Ab well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if you're a real estate agent and you're not buying properties for yourself, then you're doing something wrong. I mean, the great thing about being in this business is that, you know, we see the opportunity. I'm, I'm sitting there calling guys like you probably and saying, hey, buy this condo for 150 and, and uh, you know, you're hemming and hawing because you don't know if, if it's going to be 125 tomorrow. And uh, I got frustrated with some of them and just bought them myself because it was easier than, you know, to make two and a half points on that. I might as well just buy it myself. So uh, you have to mix it up. You need some revenue coming in too, but absolutely. Now, have you sold them since or do you keep them and rent them out? Never, ever, ever sell anything, Pat. <laughs> the only two properties I ever sold for complicated reasons I regret. Um, That's and, interesting, uh, huh? Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, just, you know, you should only ever sell something if you have to sell it to buy the next thing, which is basically why those two got sold, but I still wish I had figured out a way to keep them. Yeah, I think I have the same regrets, you know. <laughs> I've certainly sold stuff in the past and and I don't know where the money is today. Like, you know, I think about it all the time I'm like, damn, if I had just kept that house and I know I invested it in something else and then sold that and invested in something else. So who knows where the money actually ended up, but 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 if I had figured out a way, uh yeah, I absolutely. would I would own a, a lot more little stuff, a lot more single families, a lot more little stuff here and there that I picked up over the years. You know what I mean? Cuz I think that's the that's the crucial stuff. You know, I have like 10 left that are that are non-commercial properties that are just there and they're so consistent you know what i mean i can count on that money every month and and they're so consistent compared to the commercial stuff in my opinion that that goes in and out and the the, the other games to play with money yeah i agree with you completely i'm actually a really big fan of single unit rental properties most, most of my rentals are single unit and i have no commercial properties it just you know residential rental makes sense to me and it's simple and you know, I'm, I live in the most unaffordable rental market in the country, so it's very helpful uh, for for the profit margins. Now, I know in LA that you know, if if a cash flow investor looks at 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 rentals like the sort of rentals you buy, it does they, the numbers don't make sense, right? I mean, they, yeah, they, nothing they, makes sense anymore. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're still looking to buy, but I, I can tell you, uh, our investment business, the, the number of deals we sell straight to investors is is down to a trickle. I mean. Uh, you know, in 2008 and nine, it was like probably 75% of the business. And now it's probably like five or 10%. Mm, wow. So yeah. let's talk about team building a little bit. Tell me about like the first person you hired and then everybody else since then to, to where it is now and, and how that's worked for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I originally hired an assistant part time, which I don't recommend. I'll, I'll give that big caveat there. Uh, I was going on vacation and my office manager said, you have to hire someone. You've got like four escrows and a few listings. You can't just like hope that it goes okay. So I hired someone uh, to work for me part-time while I was gone and that worked out so I kept her on part-time. She actually still works for me. 
Um, but I'll, I'll tell you that having a part-time assistant, she was an afternoon assistant, so she would pick up my work from like one to five, and that just doesn't work because you then you're like, ah, can you do something? It's nine a.m. I need contracts done or I need something else done. Uh, so th that never works out. Assistant was a great hire because right away it just starts freeing up hours of your day, and you should use that time to do more lead generation. So uh, I'm using that time to make more phone calls, do more appointments. That starts growing the business. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story if that's okay about my first yeah, fire. Yeah, please, please Peter. do, yeah. I, this is you know back in 2009, summer of 2009, I hired Peter. He was my first buyer's agent. He, uh, I had a client call me, or a potential client, and, and he was one of these guys who wants to write offers at like half of the asking price because he's paying cash and you know in, in prime West LA, like really expensive parts of West LA. And I just said, listen, you know, I know it's 2009. I know that the market's weird. I know that the world economy is maybe not going to happen anymore, but the banks aren't going to just sell you the properties for 50% of asking price. It doesn't happen. So I stopped returning his call. He calls the broker of the office. I didn't even have her number. Don't know how we got to her. The broker of the office calls me. She says, I don't care what he wants, but he's not going to call me again. Do you understand? I, I said, okay, I got gotcha. you. So I went to my team meeting. And I, I, I stood up. I was the top agent in the office, so I had a little bit of pull. And I said, I need a buyer's agent. I, I don't think I called it a buyer's agent because I was still like a new term. But I need someone to help me with some showings. Is anyone able to do it? And uh, Peter stood up and said he would do it. Uh, long story short, Peter calls me about three days later. He says, okay, we're in escrow. And I said, you don't even know what that means, Peter. You're a new, new agent. You probably just like wrote an offer. I was like, send me the papers you have. And Peter had put the guy in like a million two fifty all cash ten day close escrow within three days. And I said, <laughs> I said, okay, this is a pretty good idea. We should do this more. Uh, and Peter ended up selling about two hundred and fifty homes with me. He's he's in Indiana now, back home. Wow. Peter Stewart, if you're in the Midwest, uh, in Indiana, recommended. But he was he helped me build the team, and he was the first buyer's agent. Um, from there, we you know we did a lot of different twists and turns. Uh, we had a, a full-time admin eventually. We went through a few people, made a lot of hiring mistakes and uh, uh, some poor training and, and poor management on my end and, and poor decision-making there. So we've learned that process a lot better. What'd you learn? I mean, how to, what, what can we learn? What can the listeners learn on how to do it right and not do it wrong? Um, I think that you have to, I, you should never hire out of desperation. I, I mean, we just don't have enough time, Pat, for all the mistakes I've made. Um, never hire out of desperation. <laughs> Never, you know, never settle. Uh, I, I think a big, a big change was we, we were always looking for an experienced real estate assistant. And at least in a market like mine where it's, you know, there's a lot of demand for high quality assistance, a good assistant's not going to, you know, it's like a quarterback. Like if a quarterback comes on the market, there's a reason why, right? Mm. If, uh, if uh, a good assistant's available, there's a reason why. And, and it's probably not a good reason for you to hire that person. So we've been looking more at personality type. We're following the Keller Williams model with looking for the right personality types. I've really found with the last two lead admins that I can train them uh, with very little experience. I can train them within a month or two to do most of the job properly and then another month or two to really perfect it. So I, I've learned that it's not as complicated as I thought it was. And we've also, uh, we've also learned just to systematize our training more with checklists to take some of the burden off them to remember a million different things. If you give them a checklist and say do these forty-two things and check them off, it's a lot easier to make that happen. So those are the big, the big. Uh, now, are you making your own checklists, or are you are you buying them from somewhere, or how are you getting them? 
We probably took them from somewhere. I, I don't know. We probably took someone's originally and then modified it. We probably found one online or, or borrowed one and then just modified it to our own needs. N none of it's rocket science, Pat. None of it's uh, in you know incredible secrets. Uh, I'd be happy to share ours with anyone. It's you know just normal stuff. Photos have to be done. MLS has to be updated. Lockboxes have to be put up. Simple stuff, but just yeah, yeah. step by step. So you got to so execute on it. What about technology? Let's talk technology. What are you using now to communicate with your team? Okay, so we um, we're not super tech heavy. We keep it fairly simple. Um, we do uh, conference call training because our teams spread over a pretty wide geographic area. Um, we we use a top producer for our database. We use a a, a lead router service called Five Street. Um, and, and we use a lot of Google products. Google Drive allows us to share all of our training documents and all of our, all of our internal documents with everyone. Um, so someone on my team's on a plane right now and she's updating the documents from the plane. Um, so it's really mm -hmm. seamless for us. Uh, and, that, and that's about it. We don't really use too much more than that. Do your agents have desks? Uh, we have, uh, yeah, we have a few desks, but most of them work remotely. So when they come in, we have a few desks that are unassigned and they can drop in and use them. Okay. Right. But it's not, it, you know, we, we encourage them to be in the field meeting with people and we train them to be able to make their phone calls from home. You know, LA is a big area and the agents live all over LA. So to get everyone into an office is just a lot of driving for everyone. So we try to teach them how to be able to do this remotely. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So, so uh, speaking of driving, so what type of car do you drive? I a Volt. I got, I got my carpool lane stickers, which means I can drive in uh, any high occupancy vehicle lane, and uh, it's all electric or mostly electric. Is that right? And uh, and it's completely electric car, huh? The well, so thirty-eight mile electric range, which is pretty pretty much all I need. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, what book are you reading now? Uh, I'm on a hiatus from books because I, I just went to family reunion and I came back with a – that's our Keller Williams National Convention. And I came back with a, a whole bunch of things to work on. I, I drop an action plan. Uh, the next book I'm reading is Rocket Fuel. It's sitting on my desk. I have not read it yet. Um, and the last book I read before that was a book about subscriptions that Gary Keller recommended that we read. About subscriptions, huh? Yeah, subscription model. So uh, I'm still working on uh, I'm still working on how to implement that into our business. But basically, the idea the idea from that um, I'm trying to look up on my on my phone the name of the book because um, I'm blanking on it right now. the The idea behind that is basically how do you take your database and make your database into a loyal database of followers, and how do you make them basically subscribe to you that they're going to come back to you to buy a house or to refer a, a client to you. Yeah. Uh, the, autom the Automatic Customer by John Warlow. The Automatic Customer. Uh, what I'll do is I'll put a link to that, guys, on hybendigital.com with this episode. And uh, it'll be all in the show notes today from Richard's show. So, And I'll, I'll put both of them. The other one's called Rocket Fuel, right? Yeah, that's, uh, th that's one of them. And then also Delivering Happiness. That's by Tony Shea. He's the founder of Zappos. But the idea is that basically we have such a big database now how are we going to monetize that database? How do we go back to that database and make sure we're connecting with them in a purposeful, meaningful way that they're getting value from us, but that also they're going to refer us business or come back to us with business? Mm -hmm. So what is your role today on your team? Um, I do uh, about half of the listings. I work with some of the investors and some of the higher-end buyers, typically uh, friends or repeat clients of mine. 
And then I, I spend the other half of my day uh, managing the team, you know, providing vision. I do some training and coaching for team members. And then I also am just sort of working with them on improving our systems and helping grow the business. What's the most expensive house you ever sold? $4,450,000. Sweet. All cash. Really? Oh, yeah. Did it, did it take long? What's the story behind that? Uh, it was an internet lead. It was pretty funny, actually. An internet lead. I, I showed them three houses. They liked the third house. It was an incredible house. Um, and, and this was like in 2011, so now, now it's probably an 8 or $9 million house. Mm. Um, but I don't get paid the commission retroactively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I showed them three houses, and the guy insisted on negotiating the deal himself. So he made – we set up an appointment. Okay, sure. So him and the seller met and they hashed out a deal and he called me. He said, okay, we have a deal to sell, to sell the house. Said, okay. It was probably 45 days start to finish. It goes back to that thing before. Like you make your own luck. Like you know, you, you show up enough in the right time in the right way and eventually that just happens. I put in maybe 10 hours of work on that. So basically he emailed you about another house. You were like yeah. – told him and he was like, ah. Eh. And you were like, hey, let me find you something else. Yeah, exactly. The first house was pending by the time he got to me, and I showed him uh, three three other ones, including this one, and he bought the – and there was only two days of showing. This was the second day of showing. I showed him two houses, and this was one of them. And uh, yeah, that was that. We did some inspections, a little bit of repair credit, and closed escrow. Wow. Uh, what famous people have you showed or sold houses to? I can't tell you that. We, we do have some celebrity clients, but I'll, I'll tell you – Normally, the celebrity clients, you're working with the spouse or you're working with the business manager or the assistant. You know, you'll, you'll do like 10 showings to the spouse or the assistant to one showing with the actual client. Oh, is that right? And then they're like, okay, this is good. You, you, you guys did good. Yeah, it's not like Tom Cruise is going to come hang out with me, you know, sit in the car and drive and look at 42 houses. Although I haven't worked with Tom Cruise, but, you know, they have, they have people who look at the houses and uh, – and do all that, and then they come in maybe for like the last showing. Yeah, I um I interviewed an agent out of Hawaii, Dano Sales, and he he talked about selling a house to Oprah, and he talked about how she bought a house in Hawaii, and she wanted them to ride, wanted him to ride horses, and he never rode a horse before because she bought this horse pasture, or this horse farm, or anyway. So she he had to find another agent to help him that knew how to ride horses. So. Time to get horse riding lessons. Yeah, exactly. Really fast, right? Really fast. Yeah. Um, we, we usually, if, if it's like an A level celebrity, they'll have you sign a non disclosure. Um, you know, B and C celebrities, and we have pl plenty of C and D celebrities we work with because everyone here has been on like at least two TV shows. We just, <laughs> yeah. as a policy, we don't we don't mention names to yeah. protect. I understand. And then they don't know who's the who's the A, B, and C uh, celebrity level. I, I think everybody today that we know across the world thinks they're a, a D celebrity at least. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's funny. That's interesting. Very interesting. Well, you never know because those C and Ds, right? They they grow up eventually, and then they're like, and then you're like, damn, there's that guy. I remember him from eight years yeah. ago. I'm glad he stuck with it. You know. Yeah, we, we have definitely worked with some people like that. And, and I actually find more interesting when you work with the production people because, you know, we're in the entertainment world. Um, the production people are more interesting. They're working on the shows or behind the scenes of the shows. And they're the ones who will get you on set if you want or will have – they're the ones who will actually talk to you about what's going on in their world and what their, what their world is like, which is really interesting. Whereas the, you know, the, the, the on-camera people are not really chatty about, you know, hey, how's work? 
Yeah, right, right, right. So what what would you say the weirdest thing you've ever seen in a house is? Uh, what's, what's your audience level here? Yeah, man, we're unregulated, baby. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so my first listing appointment um, was, oh, I mean, I was, I was totally unqualified to be there, but it was like a guy I was working with had a listing appointment, so we went there together to partner on it. And it was uh, like a triplex. He said, I actually want to sell my house too. Can we go see the house? We said, sure, let's go look at the house. Uh, so this is in the San Fernando Valley, which I don't know if you know what the San Fernando Valley is famous for, but it's a, a different type of filming industry that they oh, are okay. the world leader of. And so we get to the house. It's in, in the neighborhood. They do this type of thing. It's at the top of a mountain, so it's got total privacy and incredible views. And he says, we can't access the house. They're filming. A lot of houses have filming happening, so it's not unusual yeah. here in LA. Um, so he said, "Okay, we just see the. I mean, like the view is the value. Why don't you just show us the land and the view, and then we can give you a rough idea about the value?" He said, "Okay." So we walk around to the view side, the front of the house that faces the whole valley. It's all wall of glass, and inside they weren't filming then, but they had built out a dungeon um, for a, a adult video dungeon, and. Uh, that was I, I can't tell you how I mean I you know I don't judge I don't care what people do and I, just to like sit there at a professional level like this guy is like showing us his dungeon I just it was very very uncomfortable very weird situation didn't know how to respond and said great we'd love to sell your house and we, we never heard from him again <laughs> yeah well I wonder if they kept it in there you know I mean or they, well, you, or, you know certainly as a realtor you probably recommend you know take it out I mean was it like a big dark room with a bunch of like uh, handcuffs on the wall and stuff or yeah, well, the whole wall was glass, and they had built, they had filled out the interior with that type of stuff, and then, but they, they just, they'll, they'll mask off because a lot of homes have that type of filming. If you're selling nice homes in the valley, they'll, they'll even tell you like what the income is because you'll get, you can get four or five thousand dollars a day for filming. So part of, uh, part of buying the house is you're also buying this residual stream of income. Um, so they'll tell you what their, what their annual returns are from filming revenue. And you'll factor that into your buying decision. Um, but yeah, they had the whole thing there and they can probably take it down, you know, probably have it up for three days and take it down and move on. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Very interesting. So do you have a charity that, that you guys promote that, that you'd like to mention on the show here? Uh, we're working on that. I know that's a big initiative with Keller Williams. Um, we had we had contributed to KW Cares and to our previous company that had a similar com- uh, charity. It's something we're talking about on the team right now, so I will get back to you on that. We've been doing KW Cares. We've been encouraging private charities, but we're probably going to look to partner with like an animal charity or a, or like a beach environmental charity. Um, and that's that's a goal for this year to get that lined up. So what are you doing to create a culture and, and maintain a culture on your team currently? Um, so that, that's a really – that's a big challenge. It's one of my main goals as the team team leader is to keep people happy, to keep people in the family. So a couple things. You know, we had a big revelation at Family Reunion. I took four team members there. We have about 15, 17 people on the team. We're going to take a lot more people next year so they can really enjoy the Keller Williams culture because we think that's so strong. Um, we do a, a monthly social event. And for us, it's a real challenge. Like I mentioned, our team is not in person most of the week. We're, we're all together on Mondays, but that's about it. So we do a, a monthly social event, and we try to get everyone to come. We really put a lot of pressure to make sure everyone makes time in their calendar to show up to their monthly social event. 
Um, and that will that helps uh, build culture. And then then we see people are hanging out outside of the team functions. That's the goal. So yeah, um, you know, obviously we we try to build the fo- uh, we show we lead by example. It's all teamwork. Everyone is responsible for helping everyone else, even if you know you're not going to get paid on that deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So tell me about your listing appointment. Like, um, you know, you're in a upper end uh, price range. Do you do two step listing appointments? Do you do one step? Do you send stuff ahead of time? What's involved? So uh, I'll take the initial phone call. Um, we do a, a pre listing process over the phone, and what that means is that I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to figure out who you are, Pat. I'm gonna try to figure out you know what's important to you. What's you know what are you looking for? Uh, everyone says they want top dollar in the shortest amount of time, right? Um, but that's not really the answer. I mean, of course that's the answer, but w- what do they really want to differentiate you on? Because every agent will go in there and tell you, I'm going to give you top dollar in the shortest amount of time. How can you really separate yourself? So I try to do right. my background with them there. We send a pre-listing packet, uh, and then we do a listing presentation with them. Then we go in and do a sit-down at their house. Uh, we, we walk them through... The marketing plan, we answer any questions they have, and we really focus on trying to isolate what are their key things that they want. And usually it's last time I had a bad experience, and I want to not have that experience this time, and we try to solve that problem for them. That's, well, the, that's the easiest one to figure out. Yeah, that's interesting. And would you say your marketing is similar to other agents, or do you have something that you could offer them that outcompetes your competition? So I know for a fact, Pat, that my marketing is better than most other agents, but I'll tell you, and we just did a, a training on this right before the, the, our call for my team, I'll, I'll tell you it's very, very hard to impossible to have a seller understand that the differentiation between what we do. Because every time I lose a listing appointment and I talk about, I'm going to put your property on websites and I'm buying placement on websites for you and I'm taking professional photos and isn't that important? Of course, professional is important. I just had a million two fifty listing where they didn't even call me back. I saw it pop up online. The first photo is an iPhone photo of the living room and the lights are off. And I called the guy. I left him message. I said, "How? Like, what happened? Like, where did I go wrong?" Mm. Like, you know, that's the reality is that people don't have a high opinion of our industry and they don't believe that I'm going to do any better than someone else. So. It's really important to sell them on all the all the high points of what we do because it's so hard to separate ourselves. So I know that we do a better job on internet marketing than almost any other agent that they, they can hire. The struggle is always helping them understand that too. Right, because you can't assume that they know that you're going to use a professional photographer. I mean, you would assume that someone on a 1.25 is going to use a professional photographer. That's a no-brainer. But if I you mean, assume years, that, then then that's when going out. I I mean, why would I want to drive out and take pictures? I can pay someone to do that for me. But it, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Hmm. That's that's good. So let's wrap this up, Richard, with our flagship yep. question, and that is this: If I took you and I put you on a television show, similar to Survivor, I put yep. you on an island with nine other hard charging, very formidable opponents that are all real estate agents. And each agent gets $1,000, they get a laptop computer, and they get a cell phone. And whoever sells the least amount of houses each month gets thrown off. After 10 yeah. months, there's only one agent left, and they win a billion dollars. How are you going to win this show? I'll tell you that the most important – I mean, the answer is phone calls, is that you have to make a lot of phone calls, and they have to be purposeful phone calls. So – 
The answer is I would, do I have a phone in this scenario? Yeah, you, you get said, a cell phone, a laptop, and a thousand bucks. I, I would just make as many phone calls as I possibly could because that's the best way to communicate with people that have purposeful conversations to set appointments. Now, you don't I, know anybody. You're just going to call like uh, through the yellow pay, I mean, or just random. Don't, or don't know anyone. So I'd have to, uh, I'd have to probably buy, I'd probably buy, I do a, a Facebook page, business page. And I would buy a, probably a simple advertising, like a Zillow is probably the cheapest advertising, and take those numbers and then start calling them. Or uh, And I could probably buy some leads from – we use a service that provides like Red X, I think, or one of those. Mm -hmm. Just make as many calls as possible. And I think they, buy numbers and start there. And go back to why you think that uh, telephone calls are so important. I. It's just this – it's the simplest way to have a purposeful – you know, when you have a contact with someone, if it's not purposeful, if it's not quality, it doesn't count. Um, so you can email a million people, but people can delete emails. Um, when you call someone – or now a lot of people like texting too, and you can really have a conversation with them. You can analyze their needs. You can develop a relationship. That's the best way to make an appointment, and a face-to-face -face appointment then is the best way to develop uh, a client and then get to a closing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, it's no wonder that you're, you know, a hundred million dollar man. And uh, I, I, I wish you the best of luck next year. I know you're going to make 125, if not 150, because I could just feel it. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and the rock star nation applauds you. I'm going to put everything that Richard and I talked about on hybendigital.com backslash Richard Shulman. S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N. And Richard, thanks so much. You've, you've been yeah, thanks great. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Please don't forget that if you go to hybendigital.com, we have tons and tons of resources that you could use for free to help you make more commissions selling real estate. Every episode is on there, over 350 and there's a search bar that you could just type in the name of the episode, the number of the episode, or any category or keyword that you want, like FISBOs, expireds, expansion teams, buyer agents, whatever. And episodes will come up that match that. Another thing you could really help me out with is you can go to iTunes and give me a five-star review there. The more reviews I get... The higher in the rankings I climb and the better guests I'll be able to get for your listening pleasure. Thanks again so much for listening. And don't forget, every episode, write down two or three things and put them to work. Make them part of your goal setting and make it happen. I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out. We're on Twitter, at Pat Hyben. We're on Instagram, Real Estate Rockstar Podcast. And we're all over Facebook on Six Steps to Seven Figures and Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. And don't forget, if you want to hear more of me, my awesome book that is a New York Times bestseller, Six Steps to Seven Figures, is now out on audio. Just go to audible.com, type in Pat Hyben or Six Steps to Seven Figures, and you can listen to it. And of course, the paperback and ebooks are also available now at excellent prices. Have a great day, and don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking!
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.